Let's Talk Care with Casper and Christy, produced in the Ed Center Auditorium. Opinions expressed by guests on the show are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the host or Prometica. Welcome back. Today we have some interesting guests with us. We have Dave Karras and Dr. Perkins, and they are going to give us a little bit rundown about our Prometica Acute Care at Home. It's interesting when Dave first kind of brought this up and he needed some help with some training set up. It sounded to me like it was, we already have home care. Like what, what is so different about this is an interesting concept to kind of go into. And I think it's kind of an innovative technology for Toledo to look into. So kick it off to you, Dave, you want to introduce yourself and then Dr. Perkins. Sure. Thanks for having us. My name is Dave Karras. I'm the associate vice president of nursing for acute care at home. I'm on my 25th year with Prometica. I've had a series of different roles, mostly in the acute care world, but this is definitely the most challenging and fun project that I've been a part of. I'm Brian Perkins. I'm the VP of Medical Operations for Acute Care at Home. Uh, I'm on my getting ready to be ninth year, if you count my residency with Prometica. Uh, this is fun. I got pulled into it about a little over about a year and a half ago, right, Dave? And uh, it's been a lot of fun. We've um, had a good time taking care of the patients and building this team. Luckily, I have Dave to help me with that. <laughs> <laughs> and predominantly hospitalist medicine before that, right, Brian? Yes. So I'm family medicine trained in my residency, and I was a hospitalist at Flower. Awesome. So Dave, you had said something that I found interesting there just about, you know, you were in acute care and how challenging this is to do this. And I think that feeds into what Christy's thoughts were that, you know, we already have home care, but this is a heck of a lot more than a home care. You want to detail some of that for us? Yeah. So the acute care at home model, it's actually an acute care substitution model. So it's not home care. It's not outpatient. It's acute care patients that we're taking care of. So if you think of an interqual criteria and the patients that are upstairs in the different hospitals on the med surge floor, think med surge non-telemetry patients. Those are the patients that instead of being up, say, on the sixth floor of Gen, they are actually at home in their living room. And the different one of the biggest differentiators for our program, as opposed to traditional home care, is the guy sitting across the table, and that's Dr. Perkins, that we are tethered to a hospitalist. And so they're getting that same daily evaluation by a physician, daily labs, daily changing of medications. And then through a supply chain, our nurses in the command center basically manage that patient's care using service providers to go into the home when needed to do that hands-on care, but they're doing a lot of the assessment and checking up on the patients virtually. So we, we look at that medical management, acute care medical management is a big differentiator for our program versus um, home care. So quick question. I, you know, It's interesting, and this is one thing I love about Prometica, right? It's one of our core values as being an innovative organization. This is an extremely innovative care model uh, that came out just recently. And you two were pretty established in some careers here at Prometica. What about you made you kind of make the decision, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take that on. Let's go try that. Yeah, so um, <laughs> speechless. The, the phone rang. No. <laughs> Other duties assigned. We were talking about that uh, very recently with somebody that, you know, all of our job descriptions have other duties assigned. And when Promotica started looking at the program roughly in around 2019, I was involved at a distance because of my role in Prometica Transport and paramedics are a big part of this program. So I knew basically what it was. And then fast forward, COVID came along, had spent some time over at Bay Park helping out as they ramped things out over there. And I had just recently returned back to Toledo Hospital and 
in the system, they decided, you know, we need to stand this program up, looking at it as the potential bed surge capacity and some other reasons that we wanted to expedite the launch. And, you know, I got a call and said, you know, we need, we need a leader for this. Are you interested from the nursing side? And it took me about uh, 35 seconds to say yes, just because it was very interesting, innovative. And that's, that's what makes healthcare fun sometimes is those new projects, the innovation mm-hmm. to really keep you energized. Well, I do think we as an organization do create an environment where we encourage that and support it, you know, making those transitions. And, you know, when you get tapped on the shoulder of raising your hand, say, yeah, I'll take that on. Uh, it's an honor yeah. to get asked in many ways. But yeah. So what do you think, Brian? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I'm glad it only took Dave 35 seconds. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't have done this without him. I got involved a little bit later. Talk about duties as assigned. I literally got a phone call from from our friend Dr. Bishop one day, who said, "Hey, I just need your help." Um, and just as a uh, as a favor to him, um, I sat in on some meetings just to, to help the planning process. And within, um, well, so I I previously have a business uh, past, a little bit of entrepreneurial spirit, and I think Dave does too. And uh, within about a week or two of being on these meetings, although there were a lot of meetings, I went home and looked at my wife and I said, "I want that job." So I reached out to Kent and Angela at the time and and said, give it to me. Um, and uh, somehow I talked him into it. But I'm sure they weren't holding back. They were like, finally, someone's going to take this. <laughs> <laughs> we found someone crazy enough to do it. It's been fun. And it really has. It's been like a, a, a startup company. We've literally built it from scratch. And But the, the cool part about it is that we get to make it what we want it to be on a daily basis. And if something isn't working, we just change it. It's a small mobile group of people that are able to do what we need to do in order to to react to whatever Prometica needs as a system. That's awesome. Yeah, when Dave reached out to me and kind of was talking about like how to stand up some of this training piece and how we would plan the future for orientation for new hires and as you guys grew, but really my first thought, like I said, was we already have home care. But then when I started thinking more about it and learned more from just kind of putting the orientation pieces together, it's almost like back in the day when the doctor would come to your house with his bag you know, you're just doing that in a different mentality and using technology. So you don't have to spend all that travel time and you can see multiple patients. And it's really like kind of, if you think about it from a patient perspective, I don't want to be in the hospital and opening myself up for healthcare acquired infections or some type of safety event and really just putting them in their own environment so they can heal and kind of really supports our mission. So it seems like a perfect fit. Yeah, you're spot on. There's a couple pieces there that are so true in that one, the patients love the idea of being in their own home and having that individualized um, care with the physician. And Brian can speak more to it, but I think they probably get to know the patients more than when they're rounding in the hospitals. But also nurses and the physicians sitting together in the command center and talking about those patients and the little nuances that come up in the day of what's going on with the patient. I think the communication of that care team in the command center is just very impressive and prevents things from falling through the cracks that sometimes they would. Right. Just because of the physical layout of nurses going into patients' room, doctors rounding floor to floor, you do, you get... Well, you have that relationship. You get a very short time to really yeah. connect with the patient. You have that relationship with your team. And so I think that's where a lot of our gaps occur 
is that you don't have that relationship. There's so many physicians and so many nurses and your nurse changes day to day to day, shift to shift to shift. And you just don't have an opportunity to establish those deep relationships. And then knowing that when the nurse calls you and says, I have this and this and that they can trust your assessment and what's going on and really listen to you. So I think that's like crucial, you know, especially having them in their own home and they can get up and get something to drink whenever they want it and don't have to rely on a call light. Yeah. Well, I think there's so much to be said for that. We're trying to do some of this with some of the pilots and geolocating physicians or teams to one ward so that that robust person-to-person communication between the care team can occur. Because I really do think that's something we've lost with electronic medical records. So although they can finally read my handwriting, my typing is all the same <laughs> and it's not very good or clear or, or robust. But but I do think that's probably something that you guys, that we could learn from you on the acute care world uh, and some of the advantages you're gaining from that model. From my, from my perspective as a hospitalist, it's, Dave's heard me say this many times, I think in the long run, brick and mortar hospitals are going to change what they're doing because of what we're doing. You know, the uh, one, the relationship that I build with patients is it's more intimate than I ever have built in my whole medical career, which really scared me getting into this because I, I like building a relationship with the patients and I didn't think it would be that way virtually. Right. Um, you know, you're literally sitting in their living room, you're meeting their dogs and their kids and looking at pictures on their walls and you just get get to know them. But the other part of it is uh, the quality data that, that we have coming out already. We've, what today, as of today, about 270 patients, Dave, zero hospital acquired uh, uh, infections, basically no, no hospital acquired delirium. That's a big one right That's there. That's a big one. Very big, big, yes. big, big. Especially um, with COVID. Yeah. yeah I don't exactly. think people realize how much delirium affects a person out after their hospital stay mm-hmm. for the rest of their life, mm-hmm. but also to the impact on the healthcare team because they have longer length of stays. They're more difficult to take care of. Lots of risk to them. So that's a huge, huge success. Yeah, and allowing people to be more independent for select patients. You know, I, I tell a lot of people we well, obviously with COVID, we're doing a lot. But for the other chronic conditions that we that we treat, not even using um, DVT prophylaxis on a lot of these patients and, and allowing them just to get up and walk to the bathroom and go make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich when they want to makes all the difference. You know, little things like that, I think, in the long, long run are going to make a big impact. At least I hope they do. Uh, I think they definitely will. I got to ask, though, because you brought it up. You said you both had entrepreneurial or business backgrounds. Well, I do. I'm not sure Dave does, but he's got a little entrepreneurial spirit in him. (laughs) Like new stuff. (laughs) So what's your background there, Brian? Uh, I was just in the business world in sales. I sold about anything I could. You know, I didn't go to med school until I was 34 years old. Um, the only one of real real interest is I was an orthopedic rep for a few years, sold knees and hips and ACL reconstructions, and I was that guy. It was a lot of fun. We always say those orthopedic guys, right? Strong as bone and half as smart. (laughs) (laughs) He always comes up with these (laughs) one-liners. So that's why I told you he's the funny one. Yeah, well, kind of. Funny looking, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you said chronic conditions. Mm -hmm. So can you tell our listeners, explain a little bit more what your target population is? Sure. Um, You know, the the primary goal of, of programs like ours prior to the COVID world is to treat the chronic conditions in home. So COPD, CHF, um, and then other conditions that need inpatient level um, of care, but maybe uh, not as high of acuity, cellulitis, acute kidney injuries, stable pneumonias, things of that of that nature. And that was the the core of our business originally, and we've kind of morphed into more of a of a COVID response team or COVID unit. But the long term, the the beauty of these programs is that we are 
at least with with certain patients, we're allowed to basically keep the patient for a 30-day length of stay, um, which I think is what turned ProMedica onto this initially. So we have two phases of our care. We have the acute phase, um, which is exactly what we do in the hospital. It's the same thing that'd be done while they're sitting on, I usually say the eighth floor flower, but that's because I'm more familiar with that. Uh, and then we can tr transition them into the restorative phase to, to address social determinants of health. And while we're in their home, while I'm sitting on video with them or the nurses are, we're able to identify needs that these patients have, meals, gaps in their care. Maybe they need a new vascular surgeon. Maybe, you know, they, they need somebody. <laughs> and we're able to coordinate that care uh, to the point that while they're in restorative to even make sure that they go to the appointments uh, while they're still in our, under our care just to, to improve their overall health and keep them out of the hospital in the long run. Wow. Sometimes they just need that follow up. They're so overwhelmed when they're discharged. I mean, they leave with a packet that's like this thick. And I think that that follow up piece, that restorative piece, as you say, is got to be very impactful for them to kind of feel like they weren't just left to dry out. So that's pretty awesome. It's been fun. We've made some big impact on people's lives. Sorry. Dude. So, some of that restorative phase, you know, it, it helps patients develop their the right habits so somebody checking up with them you know once a day for you know 20 days or so did you weigh yourself today what are you going to do with that weight if you're up two pounds do you put know, down the ham do you sandwich know, do you know who to call what do you have to eat today <laughs> that kind of stuff so hopefully the patients are going back to church going to the grocery store even going back to work and then when they you know at some point we're checking in with them to make sure they're following the, the discharge instructions that maybe they didn't understand right or appreciate when we yeah we got him out the door. You know, it's really kind of the evolution of healthcare where I think we all wanted it to be in the past and thought maybe it was, but also where we know it can go. We're, you know, looking at that now for COVID surge planning and whatnot, when patients get through the acuity phase and are in that kind of still recovery phase that needs some intensive therapy, not ICU per se, but intensive care in the hospital. Can we do that in another setting? I think it's great. I don't think I'll ever be doing carotid surgery in the live in someone's <laughs> living room, but who knows? Never uh, say never. When you look at that continuum of care and then you throw telemedicine into it, I think what you're talking about in that restorative phase it gets us into the patient's living room, which tells us so much more about their ability to be compliant with what we're recommending. And then maybe we come up with alternatives that do fit better into their lifestyle and what they can accommodate. It's eye-opening to be in their world. When a patient is in the hospital, you know, they eat what we say they're allowed to eat. You know, they do what we say they're allowed to do. Um, it, what just popped into my head is we have a gentleman right now that we kept in the restorative phase. He had COVID and his diabetes was completely out of control. And he really had, and it's just, this is an intelligent, nice gentleman that just had no idea how to care for his diabetes and had no education. And his sugars were, were spiking just two days ago. And the nurse happened to, you know, just because he's in his home. And she said, well, what are you eating? And he said, oh, you know, he ate a fairly healthy lunch. Um, and he said, oh, and I had one of my protein drinks. She's like, well, what's that? Well, he pulled it up and it had like 40 grams of carbs in it, of sugar in it. And he had no idea. He thought he was doing the right thing by, you know, this healthy protein drink where in reality he and he's like, oh, man, I thought that was that was good for me. Um, they just don't know. And you would never know that without sitting in their living room. with Right. Them. That's right. Fantastic. You know, they say like I had a patient tell me one time, like 
Uh, we were getting all tucked in and admitted. And, and he's like, I came here for help. And you're really just putting me in a prison. You took all my clothes away. Now you tell me what I have to wear. <laughs> and you tell me when I can get up. And when it, this is worse than my wife. <laughs> and, you know, at that point, I was like, you know what? It is. We do. We take away your clothes and we don't even give you a full gown. You're, you know, until you can't get up. And there's all these bells. And we just come in and do what we want and leave. And... <laughs> So it, it's got to be a little bit unsettling to be that patient when all that's happening and we're just doing our day to day. So for them to be able to stay in their own environment and kind of get some of those anxieties taken away has to make the patient experience better as well. I would hope so. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward silence there. Uh, no, that's, that's how Christy does it. She does. Oh. You do. You summarize that beautifully. Hello, everyone. You may have noticed that our last episode ended a little abruptly, but Dr. Casper and I had such a good time talking with Dave and Dr. Perkins that it would have been a long episode, so we decided to split it up into two segments. So stay tuned for part two, where you'll get to hear an incredible story about how acute care at home is really making a difference with our patients at Promotica. Take Take care. care. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Ratings and comments on those platforms will help us grow the podcast, and we appreciate the boost.